Uh, but it's the same for everyone. It's all about really the lust of the flesh. And it's the same principles we see in the New Testament, put to death the desires of the flesh. It's the same same concept even as Christians. We gotta be, our, our, our minds gotta be above our eyebrows. Our focus gotta be above our eyebrows. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. And if you're a leader in a life group of a life group, that's in a life group. Prepositions. This podcast is for you. And I'm Pastor Hayden. And I'm Pastor Evan. And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist not to define grammar, to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. If we're doing that, isn't that the historical grammatical? Don't we have to do a literal historical grammatical hermeneutic? So isn't grammar really part of our job? And everything that we do here at Compass, including this podcast and the grammar debate, (laughs) is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. All right, Compass, we are in our... uh, Life group leaders. Compass Life Group Leaders. That's, that's what I meant. <laughs> Life Group Leaders of Compass Bible Church in the Hill Country of Texas. We are in our current series of People in Promises, the Rise and Fall of a Nation, based on the text of Matthew chapter 1, uh, the second half of verse 6 and beginning of verse 7. Let me read the text to you, and uh, Pastor Hayden will take it away. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. All wow, right. that was like the shortest. That was it, and you told me to take it away with no setup. So I was like, I was about to try to I'm jump just in. Kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, the focus of your sermon was that our deficiencies ought to be the catalyst that di- uh, directs us to trust in the in Christ's sufficiency as the promised King of Kings. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, before we dive into the points, uh, what is if we could walk away with one thing? Or obviously, that's the main point of your sermon just now. What is the one application we need to take away from the sermon? Yeah, when we look at that, obviously the preaching point, our deficiencies ought to be the catalyst that directs us to trust in Christ's sufficiency as the promised king of kings. We need to look at uh, the lives of these kings, not as the fulfillment of the promises of God, but as a reason that the, those promises need fulfilled and how no one did that outside of Christ. And so, I mean, their application is, not only trusting in Christ, but having a solid biblical understanding of the Davidic covenant so that you will live uh, for eternity and you will invest in eternal affairs and you do expect Christ is coming soon because that is the implications and the actual application of this text is that Christ is coming. He's the king. And I think so many times people don't live in light of the coming kingdom of Christ. And I think I know for a fact we're just going to really regret that. If we continue living like Solomon and like Rehoboam and in many ways like David, we live for the passions of our flesh uh, and we try to live for God. And I know we'll never do it completely perfectly because I think that is the, that's the principle of all of the Bible is that we don't do it outside of Christ. But we're really going to uh, regret not living for the Lord and not putting to death the passions of our flesh when Christ comes back because we're going to realize, man, we just, we just really, really could have spent more time investing in eternal things and less in ourselves. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, again, one more question before we dive into the points kind of relating to the application. And for us as life group leaders, we know that there is an election coming up. And I think this sermon is going to be helpful for us to have in our back pocket to remember, like, yes, we want the right people in office that would make laws that reflect the character of God. But we can't, you know, as our, our current governor, uh, Governor Abbott, we can't just rely on him 
for our deliverance as as Texans. We still need King Jesus. What is some talking points we can have ready as life group leaders when maybe the topic of politics comes up, not just in our life group, but outside of life group and just fellowship overall, or or even in our own minds? Well, do you want a historical uh, statement, uh, yes. theological statement? Uh, I mean, because when we look at the things, like how many bad kings and bad leaders have ruled throughout history? A lot. Okay. Did that change God's sovereign will? No. Okay, there, there's one, right? Like, he, like it's just, we're so focused on the here and now that we don't see, we don't realize that God has been working all things for the good of those who love him or calling according to his purpose uh, with tons of different kinds of leaders, good ones and bad ones. So there's a historical one. Theologi- and it was both the, uh, historical and theological. Uh, practically, does that, yes, go vote, right? Uh, but your life does not begin and end with the results of an election. And you must know that, and you must realize that. And your, that's the thing, your responsibility did not change whether or not your candidate was elected. I mean, I mean, that's, I don't even think that's an oversimplification. I just think we amplify this time of uh, our, our nation's history in these elections that we forget the most fundamental parts of being a Christian. Your job's not changing. Well, amen to that. Well, now moving on to your sermon. Your first point was for us to get real about our deficiencies. Now, that seems kind of a a sucker punch to the face a little bit, but it's a hopeful point. Why is it a hopeful thing for us to get real about our deficiencies, like as we see with King David and the rest of the kings? And I, I hope that these sermons don't seem negative to you because it really is a positive thing to get real about our deficiencies because that's when the positive things happen, the promises of God in Christ. That's a positive thing. But you can't get rid... It's like, it's like when you stink and you just can't not stink. Uh, and you have to go to the doctor and you have to look at the doctor and say, I stink and I don't know what it is. So that's just a negative, isn't it? And it's just bad in a bad conversation. And the doctor says, you know what? I can solve that because you brought it up. I know, I know what it is. You've explained it. I know what it is. I'm going to make you smell good. Well, he had, it was just bad. He had to deal with it. But then everything after that was just a blessing. He doesn't stink anymore. He smells good. Well, it's the same thing about getting real about your deficiencies. You got to get real about them before, before like we see the good that God is doing in Christ in your salvation as you've turned from uh, living for yourself, realizing you're deficient, realizing that Christ is sufficient. He's the substitute. Uh, he clothed you in His righteousness as you respond to the hope that you have in Christ. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's hope. I mean, that's good news. I mean, that is the good news. And so, hey, th- does that help? I mean, yes, it does. And so, how can we take that and make this a, a practical, hopeful message to our life groups this week about the deficiency portion of your sermon? I mean, I mean I, as a Christian, would you say, like, as a, how would I apply this as a Christian? Yes. Well, it's an ongoing. It's ongoing. I was. Me and my wife had a really long conversation about this. Is like, man. We are David and Solomon and Rehoboam so much, even in our own lives. Like, in the situation, you are David. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are David versus like you're not David. Like that is the way you are David. Like you're so deficient and it's a continual reliance. And so I, it's a continual like heart check of saying, am I trying to be efficient on my own? Am I trying to live for me? Am I trying to accomplish all that I want to do on my own power? Or have I yielded my life and my day to Christ? And you just need to always remember that. Like I so often can live a whole day for myself, even though I'm a pastor. Like even though so many things I'm doing in the name of the Lord, I'm still living 
for myself and I find that I'm so deficient and I'm and I can't do it. And then when I rely on Christ and I do simple things like spend time in his word and spend time communing with him in prayer and allowing myself allowing I shouldn't say even allowing but like yes like walking in step with the spirit. I mean my I mean the day, the week, my life is like wow. This is what can happen when you're walking in step with the spirit and not relying on your own strength. All right, before point number two, I do want to bring up, and I don't know if it'll be a topic of discussion in our life groups, but the importance of the Davidic covenant. Why is the Davidic covenant so important in knowing that the readers of Matthew's genealogy of Jesus Christ, when they see David, is like, okay, this is a big deal for whomever the Davidic covenant points to. This is a big deal. Why is the Davidic covenant found in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verses 11 through 16, why is it so important? Well, it's the foundation of the whole nation of Israel's leadership and uh, all that Israel is looking forward to uh, in the blessings, even in the Abrahamic covenant, right? Law's leader and land. I mean, <laughs> you can't can't have the Abrahamic covenant without a leader. It's just part of it. And so when you read the the, the, the uh, Davidic covenant there in Second Samuel 7, uh, and you see the split of the kingdom of Israel as we look at Rehoboam and Jeroboam and on, uh, to the Assyrian and Babylonian exiles, and into uh, obviously the prophets speaking during that time, and then the return from exile and Ezra and Nehemiah, and yet it's it's not the same. And the the glory of God never actually filled the temple at that point. If I yeah, and uh, even that intertestamental period, it's like man, there was there's a lot missing. There's no king in Israel. Like there there's so many problems, and so they continue looking forward to this king that has never shown up, and so. When these first century readers are reading that genealogy, it's like a mic drop. It's like, oh, Jesus is the one. And which is, again, just uh, amazing to them that they're like, well, that guy died. Like, how, you know, how is that? And that's why you have to trust in the resurrection. And that's why the book, uh, Matthew, goes into those things. It's like he is the eternal king on the throne because he was resurrected eternally at the right hand of the Father. Uh, I mean, all of those reasons are are applications, and not only applications, the, the theological framework of understanding the importance of the Davidic covenant in the life of Israel, in the life of a first century Jew, and even in our own lives. Yeah, and I'd like to comment on just one thing about the Davidic covenant, um, is that the power of the Davidic covenant, like you said, is the leadership. But what does that leadership bring? A kingdom that lasts forever. And as soon as David gets this uh, Davidic covenant promised to him, you know, what directly happens after, well, 2 Samuel chapter 8, that's the list of all of David's great victories of him conquering the promised land and subduing the enemies. After this promise, it's like he got the one ring from Lord of the Rings to subdue all the nations. It's like No he, idea what that means. It's okay, I do. And some people in there might know. But it's like this great power that David all of a sudden got that continued in Solomon in a, in a sense. But this great reign of the kingdom of Christ is going to come, and we see that in out, uh, folding out in the book of Revelation where the way that Jesus has victory is such a greater way that this is the king of kings that Jesus didn't just subdue nations. He subdued the world. He subdued death, death. and sin. Come on. And yeah. so this is how the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant is in fruition. So, And it's another reason why we believe in a future hope for even Israel, right, is because there are these promises throughout history after the Davidic covenant uh, where there was a king promised to reign in his place. And so that king has never been in Israel since. And so we're sitting here, and, and that's why we expect a millennial, a premillennial reign of Christ, that he will actually sit 
ruling in the seat of King David in a present earth in in Israel as Israel's leader. And so that they're still looking forward to that promise. And so there is space in our beliefs and in our understanding of the Bible that Israel's still looking for that hope and we still fully expect that that throne will be filled with Christ reigning here on earth over Israel and the world. Amen to that too. Speaking of number two, point number two was investing in eternal affairs. And this is based uh, primarily on the life of Solomon and a little bit of Rehoboam. But kind of the same question as before, Pastor Hayden, what is like the main application that we need to take away from point number two for our life groups? Man, uh, we all live in a very uh, wealthy culture. I mean, I look at our church. We we are part of a very wealthy church. I mean, I don't think it's any secret. I mean, we just have a lot of stuff, and uh, that's the same thing Solomon had, and it was the very thing that drew his heart away from the Lord. And I'm not saying these are bad things. Uh, scripture, First Peter, Second Peter, First Peter tells us how to instruct people who are uh, wealthy, and it's that they they focus on eternal things. Like that's the whole point is that we're focusing on things that are uh, above our eyebrows, is, is I think something I'm going to start saying, I guess, is we are focused so much on things below our eyebrows, things we can see, and we're not focused on things that are eternal. And I mean, I, practically, that's, that's every facet of your life. It all should be mobilized and utilized for eternal things, for uh, how are you helping people come to know Christ? How are you reaching people for Christ? How are you teaching people uh, to, to know Christ and training people to serve Christ? I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. And I don't care what your job is. If you're a pilot, if you're a businessman, uh, if you're a CEO, whatever you are, you can use all of your life and all of your job and all of your uh, resources for that investment, that eternal investment. All right. Well, one kind of, again, another the, uh, scriptural um, dive-in, you can call it, is based on Deuteronomy chapter 17, where Solomon failed. And so, one, kind of reiterate for us so that we can prepare, be prepared for a life group. What did Solomon fail at? What are the three things he failed at in Deuteronomy 17? Actually, four things he failed at. Um, and then also, how does it even apply to us as a Christian today when we're not Israel's you know king? Gold. Glory and girls. There's your three G's. Uh, I like giddy up better. Giddy, uh, gold, glory, and girls. Uh, three, three G's. Like those are the things that we see in the Deuteronomy passage that we uh, looked at during services. I mean, those are things. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't focus on these things. Don't try to give yourself all of these things, or it's going to turn your heart away from me. And how does that apply to our own life? Uh, men in the room, in the in the radio, in the speaker. Uh, Tell me the things you struggle with. Money, pride, women, lust. I mean, is that not the things that men show? Women, in, in the same way, I know we're talking about kings here, so we're talking about men inherently, uh, but it's the same for everyone. It's all about really the lust of the flesh. And it's the same principles we see in the New Testament, put to death the desires of the flesh. It's the same same concept, even as Christians. We got to be our our, our minds got to be above our eyebrows. Our focus got to be above our eyebrows. And I think a, a scriptural application for us is going to be found with the same man who failed is the book he wrote in Ecclesiastes, the one that you brought up in the sermon, in chapter two and then chapter twelve is to heed the warnings from the Lord to say, "Here's the man who got everything that we fleshly want. He attained and he consult, considered it nothing." And is striving after wind, and he ends his book, says, hey, in the end, 
This is what we need to do. Fear God and keep his commandments. And this is what we need to focus on because everything else is pointless. Life without God is pointless. Um, what about Rehoboam? He's kind of briefly brought up. He might be brought up a little bit more, and especially the kings after him. What about Rehoboam do we need to know, especially with this genealogy? That he failed. <laughs> yeah, it's just the same story, different verse. He he relied on the wisdom of uh, men and not the wisdom from the Lord because that same Deuteronomy passage brings up how to treat the people that you're governing. They're your brothers. Those are your family. That's the tribes of Israel, and you are treating them as though they were your slaves and not their fellow heirs to the covenant. All right, and now your final point was to for us to eagerly await the coming of our king, which all the kings point to. Um, and you brought up Isaiah chapter nine verses six through seven. And uh, do you want to even you want to elaborate on Isaiah nine uh, for us so that we can be prepared for life group? Yeah, when it comes to the third point, I think uh, I feel like in in some ways I pulled the trigger too early, but I just want to make sure that we're reminded what the kings are there to show us. And honestly, the same three point, this third point can be used every single week throughout all the kings. And as a matter, as a matter of fact, it can be used every single week throughout the whole the whole gospel of Matthew because it's what it's trying to point us to over and over and over and over again. Uh, but as far as the Isaiah nine six through seven, what I what I wanted to do for you is as you're reading it uh, in the New Testament, uh, is it Matthew that you that they quote the, or Luke that we quote Isaiah nine? It's like a lot of the gospels. Okay, in the Gospels, they quote this pointing to Christ. And so, I mean, it's obvious that even that line of David that you see in the genealogy, they are positing Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 as describing Jesus. And so you have to see that and that they were fully expecting because the Gospels are written after the death and resurrection of Christ. So they were fully expecting that Christ is coming to establish his kingdom and ruling with justice and righteousness forevermore. It's Luke chapter 2, by the way. Luke chapter 2. I figured because born. Uh, Matthew doesn't really talk about the birth of Jesus. All right. Well, you have, uh, I mean, you only have five application questions for us, which is really 10. So what you know, what, what direction do you want to take? Uh, have us take with these questions in our life groups this week? And those are a couple questions you're like, hey, you must do these questions. Yeah, I hope that you guys see the relationship between the questions and the points. I'm, I'm always just taking the point and I'm making a question that revolves around that point and revolves around the preaching point as a whole. And so really, as you're looking at these, can we just can we just get real about where we are in our lives and uh, be real where David was? Let's get real about our own lives. I think this is a great a question. My group, we're going to split up guys and girls, <laughs> boys and girls, according to our baptisms. Uh, boys and girls, and we're going to have the conversation about re- getting real about our deficiencies and uh, getting real about earthly pleasures and how Jesus uh, is the answer to our deficiencies and our inabilities to follow God wholeheartedly. And so, yeah, I think that's a great place to, to start in these application questions is use this as an opportunity because I know you need to in your groups. You need to get a couple of layers deep in your application questions and in the hearts of your people and I uh, use this, and I think these are some good questions that really will uh, kind of cut people to the quick, uh, that you're able to wound people deeper. And so maybe this is an opportunity for you to split up your men and your women, or maybe an opportunity for you to ask the harder questions, because I think this uh, application questions allow for that without it seeming like you're working hard to do that. 
And, and with that being said, something that Pastor Hayden and I have noticed by the grace of God is that some people have been coming forth to say the, the conviction of sin of, hey, I need to repent. I need to give my life to Christ. With sermons like these, that might happen. So as life group leaders, what counsel would you give us as these moments might come up more and more as we look at our own deficiencies and are confronted with them and then the the perfection of Christ and the mercy that he offers? Like, how would you counsel us when those conversations come to head or even how to lead towards that conversation? Yeah, we use, I guess this could be a training. I've Something I've been kind of taking around our life group or uh, sorry, our staff and talking to Pastor Evan and even talked about a little bit in our Exploring Compass session today is the acronym ICE, I-C-E. And you talk about bringing people to Christ. Everybody that I have brought to Christ personally, it has been through this I-C-E. Now that's minus people who have come to Christ under the preaching in the pulpit that I have, that I don't know, but everyone that I know that I've led to Christ, it's through I-C-E. The first is I, and it's inviting people, like inviting people to church, inviting people to life group, inviting people to commune with with the people of God. And then uh, the C there is connecting with them, right? Connecting in a life group, connecting with them in a way outside of Sunday morning. And then the E is for I-C-E, ICE is engage. Like you need to make sure as we preach sermons like this, that you do have people on your radar that said, ah, I need to make sure that person is a Christian, or may- maybe you know that person isn't a Christian. Well, this is a great opportunity. If they go to our church and they've connected in somehow and you're in their sphere of influence, engage with them. And you will find out real quick if you have that one-on-one engagement, whether it's going to the coffee shop or having lunch together or having a, a set-apart meeting that you've scheduled, uh, engage with them. Because I'm telling you, everybody I've led to Christ, I see E, man. And I think it's an opportunity for you guys to have those real conversations. And so many times you as a leader in most of our church, we invite people to church. We even connect with people and say hi to them when we're at church. But I have never in my in my mind and the way that I've thought about trying to figure out who I've led to Christ, led them to Christ without engaging with them in a set apart time. And so you got to do that. Ice, ice, baby. Ice. <laughs> oh, boy. We're all thinking it. All right. Well, Compass, we have several announcements. Uh, first announcement is that we have the Compass Kids Christmas Choir. We had our first rehearsal today. Um, Do you have a picture? We don't have a picture. It's kind of, I guess you rather don't take pictures of kids, but it would have been nice. It, hey, next time. But 27 kids? Something like that. Wow. Um, is for all four year old, uh, four year olds to fifth grade. So encourage your life groups, especially the ones that have kids in that age range, to register them. Registrations close on October 20th. And this is how you, here's the talking points. The Christmas choir is not about us, it's not about the kids. It's not about, it's about exalting Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's a time and opportunity for us to teach the kids who God is through song um, and through the scripture reading that we're going to have. But and, and your family who don't know Christ are more likely to, to come to church. And that's what it's going to lead to, you know, to oh, reach good. people for Christ. And so this is a, this is an outreach in reality for people to invite uh, people from extended families and friends and neighbors to say, hey, come to this my kids' performance, and they're going to come. And guess what's going to happen? They're not. We're not going to be done. Pastor Hayden's going to come up and give a message from God's word that's going to be gospel-centered. And so present this as an, as an outreach for opportunity for our kids and our families. But also, so if a kid like, says, I don't want to go, you can say, hey, it's okay. A lot of times kids, they don't want to do something and eventually they fall in love with it. So you can always encourage them. Hey, it'd be a good thing that you, know, you can always encourage these parents to encourage their kids. Hey, this is what you should do. Um, 
Pastor Hayden, you want to talk about the prayer night on October 16th? Churchwide prayer night, October 16th. Let's get together and pray about some big things that uh, we are expecting, anticipating God to do in our church and in our families. So be there, 5 p.m. to 6.30. We're going to pray for an hour and a half. All right. We have a men's fellowship coming up on this Saturday the 8th. So life group leaders, make sure you plan that for your life group, either on that Saturday or sometime in this month. And there's going to be a uh, update with our men's and women's uh ministry schedules, how would you put it? Yeah, our patterns of ministry. Patterns of ministry. So we're starting in January, the men's uh, and women's uh, breakfasts and fellowships will be at the church. And so we'll keep you updated on that. And then finally, Pastor Hayden, you want to give the women's breakfast announcement? Yep. This October 22nd, uh, Candace is going to be teaching out of James chapter 3. Woohoo! And so you guys, gals, be there at 10 o'clock. Uh, be an encouragement to both Candace and also your life group as you guys fellowship together. And then finally, we have a life group leader meeting October 23rd, the very next day after the 11 a.m. service. So make sure, life group leaders, that you will put uh, on your schedule our life group leader meeting October 23rd after the second service. All right, guys, we look forward to seeing you soon, praying for your life group, very encouraged in seeing how your life groups are going and how you guys have been faithful leaders. We'll see you soon.